You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Daniel Marcos. And Daniel is co-founder and CEO of Gazelle's Growth Institute. And I'm excited for this. For those of you who know the Gazelle's community well, the Scaling Up community well, the Growth Institute is a key part of that community. And so this is where uh, we're going to learn a little bit about the offerings and the services. And we're going to learn how it was founded. And we're going to learn uh, about Daniel and his role. So with that, Daniel, welcome to the program. Bruce, thank you very much. Yeah, so let's start with you. Let's, because uh, you're an entrepreneur. Not only are you helping entrepreneurs be better entrepreneurs, but you're an entrepreneur yourself. What was your background, and then how did you get into the Growth Institute, and and why? Why found the Growth Institute? So I've always been an entrepreneur. When I was a kid, I sold T-shirts and skateboards and everything. Indeed, I had an aquarium when I was like nine or ten. I divided with a wall my parents' garage. And half of it I made in my aquarium. So you're a contractor and entrepreneur. That's right. <laughs> so I, I did a lot of things. But I really built my first company two years out of college. I graduated from uh, industrial engineering in uh, Mexico, in Monterey. Yeah. And uh, my first job out of college was working in Hong Kong for the Mexican government in Hong Kong in the embassy. Uh-huh. And I was in charge of, I don't know if you remember, 1997 was the handover from yeah. England to China. I remember and I the was, fireworks. <laughs> that's correct. I was there and I was the Mexican responsible for the Mexican delegation going that year to Hong Kong. Got so it. It, was, it was a very cool thing. And after two years doing that, I resigned. And uh, back then was 1998, 1999. All the kids were making millions in the internet. And I say I want to do my first uh, million dollar company. Uh-huh. So I resigned, came back to Mexico, and I started the first financial website for the Mexico stock market. Huh, okay. uh, and I had no idea. I was 24 when I did that. No idea what it was really to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. But got really lucky. It was internet time. We raised a bunch of money, like $70 million. Nice. And we grew crazy, 1,200 employees, operation nine countries. It, it was it was a very, very amazing Rocket ship. story. Rocket ship. Yeah. yeah. And I lost life. I lost, uh, like, I was working 18 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. I, I was sleeping in the office. I, I remember I slept at the office probably once a week for two or three years. It, it was crazy. Uh, and I realized that entrepreneurs, we make companies because we want to be free or we are asking for freedom, financial freedom and, and decision to take or whatever we want to do. And the more we grow our companies, the more we become slaves of our companies. It is ironic how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, do, we do this to kind of have all this control and we end up like losing we, it. everything. Uh, yeah. I remember with my wife, she's like, you could not even go on vacation. I was like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. But we're growing so fast and I had so many yeah. projects and demands that it was hard. Yeah. Uh, so after that, I had to take some time off. I, I took a year off to travel the world. I yeah. had some money in the bank after we sold it. Yeah. was just married, no kids. So I took a year, almost a year and a half away, uh, traveled with my wife, and then went to do an MBA. And by the way, this is a, a key thing. I hired in in this company a lot of Harvard and Stanford MBAs. Yeah. And I was a kid with barely college, and I really finished college by by pure luck, <laughs> uh, not because I studied. And I was I was really yeah. bad in college. And and then I was hiring all these Harvard kids, and they were talking all this jargon that I felt very uncomfortable. Yeah. 
And so I still had to do an MBA myself to know what these kids are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> to speak uh, to speak, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I did it. And I had a lot of fun. I went to Babson, supposedly the best entrepreneur yeah. uh, for, for, for MBA for, M, for oh, well. entrepreneurs. Yeah. But I, I, it was great for critical thinking and friendships and like kind of see a map of the world. Uh-huh. But I learned very little tools or yeah. things to help me grow my business. So even though I had a great time, I was very disappointed on the tools and how the MBA did not prepare me to be an entrepreneur again. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is fascinating. I think that one of the key things I find in the MBA programs, it can be a lot of kind of theory and practice, you know, but the actual practical skills of running a business, managing people, stuff like that tends to be kind of glossed over. I mean, it's not a real, it's not a, you get your MBA and you're ready to start your first business. It's, it's really not, not set up to do that. You go to school for two years, get all these data and knowledge without knowing what you're going to do after. Yeah. And then you get out and, and you're trying to go back to remember and you don't remember anything. Yeah. So for me, coming out of a Mexican university and wanted to do business international, uh-huh. I think it was very important to have a, this stamp of a U.S. college like Babson. Yep. But really, looking backwards, it didn't give me a lot of tools that I needed. So so that, that's a big key of why we're doing Growth Institute. Yeah. And then after that, I did a mortgage bank. And here's another uh, key lesson. Back then, the two trends that were really big in the U.S. was Hispanics and housing. Okay. So I went and did a mortgage bank for Hispanics, for undocumented Hispanics. Interesting. And it was a disaster. What, what did you learn? What was the takeaway? Why was it a disaster? So we closed in 2008 because of all the financial crisis. Yeah, okay. But when, when we closed, I called all my investors. We did this meeting to kind of de- decide if sharing the company. And one of them asked me, hey, why you want to shut it down? And I explained to him all the business a response, right? Yeah. And then he said, but why you would cross it? You, Daniel Marcos. And I said, because I hate my job. Yeah. I said, what do you mean you hate your job? Like, you invite us, we put money because of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you that, that's a big, that's a big statement. Yeah. That was a big statement. And I said, you know what? I realized that I came from working from the internet, that I was working with the brightest yeah. kids in a city. And then I went to real estate that usually have the other opposite. Yeah. <laughs> the people with the lowest standards. Yeah. And I hated my job because of the people I was around. Yeah. I was not challenged. And my amount of time that I spent chasing people because they were lying on applications and it was crazy. Yeah. So uh, that was a huge wake up call for me because I went to I went to do uh, I did a company yeah. that the trends told me was the right thing, but I hated it. Yeah, it wasn't in your heart. It made sense it to your brain. Was exactly. it in your heart? Yeah. So that, that was big. And the thing of the standards of the people in the industry was a huge wake-up call for me. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I came back to the internet and the innovation. And that's my group. That's the people I want to spend my days with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's such a, I think it's an important note just on, you know, getting that culture right, you know, for individuals. I mean, just, you know, whether you're the founder or you're, you're coming in a key exec or a middle management, you know, just making sure that you have a good cultural fit to the 100%. company and to the industry. 100%. And, and you cannot imagine how happy I am with my team today. Yeah. It's just like I'm so proud of every one of my members. And back then I was not. Yeah. It was it was sad. Yeah. Uh but okay, so I did that. And then it was interesting. I closed the company, lost all my money. I was yeah. almost a million dollars in debt. Yeah. It, it was a really, really low point in my life. And yeah. Vern called me and said, Hey, uh, I met Vern ten years ago when I hired him as my coach. Uh-huh. And he called me and said, Hey, I've never been able to build a, a practice in Latin America. Why don't you help me do this and become a sales coach. And I said, no, no, no. I don't even trust myself to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> you want me to coach other entrepreneurs? 
that's never going to happen. And he said, that's precisely why. Because you went through such a hard yeah. moment in your life that you want to make sure that never happens to anyone else. Yeah. And I became a coach back then. And uh, in three years, I was uh, coaching. Indeed, my last year when I was a sales coach, just being a sales coach, mm-hmm. I slept outside of my house 250 nights. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. So I was doing in revenue. It was it was an amazing year. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I had no life. Yeah. The cost uh, yeah. cost can be high. The cost was very high. Yeah. So I went to Vern and said I'm I'm out. I I already got confidence against in me. I mm-hmm. have some money in the bank. I'm going again out to be entrepreneur. Yeah. And he said, What do you want to do? And I said, I want to do this. Uh, growth Institute. Yeah. I said, I love it. Let's partner. Let's do, let's do it together. And and I was originally going to do Growth Institute for Latin America, just in Spanish. Oh yeah, interesting. And Vern said, No, no, no. Let's do it worldwide. And I was yeah. like, Vern, in my own, I don't have. It. When you do your BHAG, you have to have these three circles yeah. aligned. And I have them very well aligned for Latin America. I yeah. have it very unaligned for the U.S. or, or international market. Yeah. And Vern said, no, no, no. If we partner, I will definitely align it uh, if I'm part of the team. And I said, perfect. And that's how we created Growth Institute. That's great. And, and so now talk us through the Growth Institute, because I guess what was the original vision or what was the original intention and how have things kind of developed over time? So all of this started in a trip that Vern did to Poland. He went to train a, a Polish company. Huh? owned by an American, and he went and gave scaling up workshop of two or three days. And after that, they said, hey, so what's next? And he said, you have to learn top grading. He found that there was a weakness they had for an hiring system. And they tried to bring Brad Smart, and they couldn't do it because of cost or something like that. Yeah, prohibitive. So Vern went and recorded Brad Smart and did a video series of top grading. Uh And all the thousand or so employees of that company saw the videos. So that's how it all started. How can you bring thought leaders to mid-market companies yeah. in a price and format that makes sense. Yeah. And then that's when the internet was was starting to grow. And I told Vern, hey, you have to do this online. And he always said, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He never did it. So he said, okay, finally, I have someone that could execute it. Yeah. Let's partner and, and we'll build it together. Yeah. Delegate. <laughs> but but here's, here's a big thing that Vern did. And if you've been following Vern's... Uh, growth. Uh He's always been very successful as a thought leader. Always. Uh, He's an amazing thought leader, uh, an amazing think person. But when his business started to grow is when he started partnering with entrepreneurs. Yeah. And and if you see Vern's businesses today, he has four or five really key partnerships and all of them are with entrepreneurs. Yeah. People that went EO, YPOs that went to Burning of Giants and Gathering of Titan and all that. Yeah. And he co-owns the companies uh, with us. Yeah. uh, And we run the company. Yeah, uh, we have our own PNL, our own decision uh, model, yeah. and it really works. It works really well. Yeah, no, it makes sense, and I and I like that kind of leverage of of group, almost grooming your own uh, uh, entrepreneurs through the programs that you have and stuff. Makes sense. That's correct. That's correct. So let's talk about uh, Growth Institute and and kind of this online education because there's there's lots of different kind of resources out there for folks and you know, formats and structure and how, I guess, how have you positioned or, or what's the positioning for the Growth Institute? Um, who's the core, I guess, who's the core customer from your point of view? And um, how, how are you really differentiating yourself? So the first thing that we saw in the market is if you go online, there's a lot of great training for startups uh-huh. or, or entrepreneur wannabes. Okay. There's a lot of great training for corporations, big companies. There's no one that focuses on the big markets. So that was the first key. Let's say we need to do an education that is really structured, designed, and everything for mid-market companies. Yeah. Um, that's the first. And then the second one was 
usually mid-market companies are following all these thought leaders. Uh, you need a village of gurus to grow your company. Yep. But every guru has their own format, their own structure. Everyone's doing their own websites and courses in their own format. Yeah, like herding cats. That's, that's <laughs> correct. So it's really challenging for the thought leader, sorry, for the entrepreneur that is trying to scale a company yeah. to have a structure uh, learning process in their company for all their team members. And, and that was a big one. The other one that we saw is that in the mid-market companies, the entrepreneur spends a lot of money on them learning and growing, mm-hmm. not necessarily on their team. And, and as an example, I went to learn from Vern the first time, and I was so excited when I learned the meetings and the dashboards and all that came yeah. back. And it was very hard for me to, to take that same knowledge to my team for them to be able to run with it. So we said, hey, after you go and see all these great thought leaders, we want to give you a tool that you could take to everyone in your team for them to help you implement the methodology. And, and that's kind of how, how we started the Growth Institute. Got it. So and, really, yes. No, so I, I like that idea that it was really it was really helping the entrepreneur because, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, entrepreneurs are generally pretty generous about their own learning, right? They go out to conferences, they go, they read books, they, you know, do workshops, you know, but they get all this information and then they take it home and it's and it's poorly, <laughs> you know, poor, poorly recited back at the office. And oftentimes there's a thousand questions that they can't answer because they hadn't thought about it at the time. So, so this really helps that CEO, that that founder, take the content they've learned and and give their team a resource, a, a, a credible, firsthand uh, access to that resource. That's correct. That's perfect. And that's been a reality. I'll give you an example. We have a company in New Zealand. They first started enrolling two or three people in our scaling our masterclass. Yep. And then the next one, they say, hey, you want to send more? And they said five and seven. I think today we've trained over 40 or 50 employees in the same company uh-huh. in scaling up. Yeah. Every quarter they bring people. And I spoke with, with the owner a couple of times and said, hey, why you continue to do it? He said, every new team member that we come, that comes to the company, we run in such a culture and, and we have same learning level yeah. that part of the training, they have to go through scaling up with you guys. So so it's it's been a great tool yeah. to grow all the team members in a methodology. Yeah. Uh, indeed, we have today, we were negotiating with a company. They're they're getting 1,500 employees in scaling up. Wow. And they said, hey, it's impossible for us to take 1,500 people with Vern. Yeah. And, and they're, they're in four or five different countries and offices, and it's hard. And now they're going to put everyone through scaling up with Vern, and they're going to be able to all be in the same level of knowledge. Yeah. So that's huge alignment. Yeah, I like that that, that sort of baselining. It's, it really gets everyone in the company kind of speaking the same language, the same, you know, kind of frameworks, the same models. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's lots of different, you know, good models out there. But if half your company is talking one language and the other half of the company is talking another one, that's going to be a problem. That's correct. And then then there was one surprise that we we did not envision when we built it. And this has been our burst learning. Uh So we teach a classes and the classes were, let's say, professor to student. Yeah. With all the masterminds we do and all that. Yeah. And we realized, and this is because we were learning from our students. They said, hey, yeah, we learn a lot from Vern. And yes, we learn a lot from the coaches. Yeah. But I learned more from other entrepreneurs implementing the methodology yeah. than us. And when we go through a coaching or a program that is just for us, we miss that. Yeah. So yeah. the one thing that, that our students are enjoying the most are the community we're building. We're building this amazing community of mid-market companies around the world that they're using the same language, implementing the same methodologies in their business, and they love to interact with each other. So yeah. now we have these masterminds as part of the classes, and I'll give you a number that, that, you, will, that you will be interested. Yeah. So the average course completed online, if you buy a course online, you pay for it. 
the average course that gets completed online is 15%. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I knew it was going to be low. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's really low. If you go to see a MOOC, these massive online yeah. courses, the completion rate is 3% wow. as an average. Yeah. At Growth Institute, our master classes yeah. are 75% completion rate. And so why? Like why 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 so because much? Because of the masterminds. So because the masterminds. So that that peer review, peer learning process right. is we, what drives. We have a lot of interaction of our executives or leaders of companies helping each other. And once they join a class, they become this cohort, this community yeah. of companies all over the world doing the same improvements. And they love it. And they just come together and help each other yeah. and they become friends. With indeed, we finish a lot of masterminds uh, of an implementation after three months. Yeah. And they say, okay, what's next? Yeah, they I say, like, well, the course finished. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> you have built this great community. Make something for us. Yeah. yeah make something. Like, yeah, yeah. Keep, us, keep us together. Yeah. And we don't have, before we didn't have anything. Now we're putting all these programs together. Yeah. But people were saying, hey, you build this amazing community that I'm talking with someone in Spain and someone in Germany and someone in Australia. And he became my friend. And yeah. I, and you, you're now you sending connect. us back. No way. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think it's, it, you know, I notice with my clients, you know, I, I kind of go from, from company to company and work with these different teams. Uh, and then once a quarter, I do a, I do a dinner and I'll un invite, you know, various members from various companies together for a dinner. And those end up being the most fascinating conversations. And I often get the comments that, you know, that's one of the most valuable part of the whole coaching experience is to actually interact with some people from other companies who are, are going, implementing the same kind of framework or, you know, they're often different challenges, but they're facing similar kind of uh, underlying issues. And even if it's completely different companies. You know, you can have a fashion company and a medical practice and, and they start talking about some challenges and they realize they're having they're having similar challenges and, and they actually get insight from each other. That's correct. So we're doing that online and I have a, I, we, whenever we talk about this, we have some pictures of some of the classes yeah. and below each one's picture, we put the country that they're at. Yeah. And it's crazy. So, so today we've trained uh, over 40,000 executives yeah. from 10,000 different companies. Yeah. In over 64 countries. That's the impressive. Liberty, it's crazy yeah. what's been happening with the community. Yeah. So I, I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I'm very proud of what we're doing and, and, and the team. But the community, that's been our biggest surprise and the thing that we're happiest that is that has been happening uh, around Growth East. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the content. Uh, any insight you've had about developing the content and what content's been most kind of interesting or impactful for participants? Where, where have you found, you know, the feedback around that? So we've, we've learned a lot on classes. We, we've been, today we have over 100 classes online. And of course, we know who's the bestseller and by what and all that. But so, so here's the, the learning. Whatever program you need to go one more than one employee in the class. So we have classes that is just for the CEO or just for the CFO. Okay. And it's okay. But the classes that you have to bring team members uh, with you, they're amazingly better. And why do you so think that is? What's the... Because the CEO wants to take the class with the teams. Yeah. But most importantly, after they finish the class, then the implementation is much faster yeah. because you have your team members. Yeah. And I'll, I'll mm -hmm. tell you this as a, my personal story and then I relate to, to the students. Sure. So when I learned first about scaling up, and it was it was called uh, Rockefeller Habits Rockefeller back Habits, then, yeah. in, in MIT, I came back and I told my team, "Hey, this is amazing! Let's do it!" Da, da, da. And everyone was like, "This guy's from from the moon!" Like they, <laughs> they, they had no idea what I was trying to explain yeah, to them. Yeah. So one day I said, "I'm done." I, I tried to convince my three partners, and they were not getting it. So I wrote a check of five thousand dollars and put it on the table and said, "Guys, I'm paying for the trip. Let's go to San Antonio to take this class. Uh -huh. And if you guys like it," then the company pays for it. If you guys don't like it, I'll pay for it. 
Ah, like like everyone said, free weekend in San, in San Antonio, let's go. <laughs> I'm <And> Daniel. <laughs> we were there on the first night, and they look at me and like, this is amazing, why didn't you didn't told us? And I'm like, guys, I've been begging for you to hear this. <laughs> oh, and the same the thing happens. So today, as an example, we have one of the programs called MBD, Master Business Dynamics, uh-huh. and it's an 18-month program. And, and our most successful MBD is what we call MBD Plus One, where you bring your key employee yeah. to each of the classes. So you as a CEO, you take the full masters, but every class you bring a key employee. So you can't, your class of scaling up, you take it with your head of strategy or your head of operations. Your class with Jack yeah. Daly, as an example, in sales, you take it with yeah, your head of sales. sales. Yeah. So every key employee, you bring it to a different class. The CEO and the, and the employee take the class together. They implement or they design what they're going to implement. Huh? And then the employee goes to implement on their own. So we've heard this from entrepreneurs. They said, my implementation after seeing a class has gone through the roof. Yeah. Because now I have all my team members helping me implement. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine there's a little bit of uh, shared accountability on that, too. Like if you're, you're going to take the class with someone else, it's like, well, no, now you've got to have someone watching. That's great. <laughs> I agree with you. There, there's several things more than that. Yeah. But on implementation, it's just gone through the roof. Yeah. Precisely because of that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. In terms of programs that you've developed, programs that you're you're considering, I mean, where where are you? Where do you see the future of the institute? What kind of things are you looking at? You know, innovating on. So the most successful program we have today is by far the um, the MBD. It's a great program. But let me let me talk to you about something that we have found and and really learned. Uh-huh. There's really four stages of how companies grow. Yeah. And I call them the startup, the grow up, the scale up, and then dominate your industry. Yeah. Because people came and they were asking for all these programs. And when we got deep to understanding where they were, they were trying to implement programs in a stage that the program was not built for them. So you found that the programs really end up being either tailored or, or most useful for certain stages of companies. Got it. That's correct. That's correct. And that's been a really big, big learning for us. Uh-huh. Let me just kind of walk you through a yeah. couple of ideas. So for me, stage one, one to five employees, your most important focus is product development, really validate your business model. And there you have to understand the, the market dynamics and who are the competitors, prices, pricing, what products is your client really going to pay for? Because when you build a business plan, you have all these assumptions. Yeah. And here's where you're validating your assumptions. And then here's the two things that we've learned. In this stage, the most important is learn marketing as a communication channel uh-huh. with your potential client. Yep. For you to tell them what you want to sell them and for them to tell you if they want it. If and they how want much to buy it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then going back to scaling up, the most important decision is strategy. Yep. Because that's where you have to validate your business model and really design a strategy that makes sense for growth. Yep. So stage one is just focus on strategy. Stage two, what I call a grow up, uh-huh. it's uh, six to 15 employees. Okay. And the most important thing there is sales. Bring cash to the company. Now yeah. you have all these fixed expenses. And if you don't feed your employees or feed your organization, it's yeah. going to die. Yeah. So no matter what you sell, you want to get cash in. Yeah. So all the programs that we teach there, it's about cash flow and leadership. Because on the first one, you were an entrepreneur. You were doing everything with everyone. Yeah. Now you have to start leading. You have to be able to delegate and be able to define direction. Yeah. Really so, manage. Manage the team. Manage the people. Yeah. But really understanding that the company is not about you, it's about them. So we give a lot of programs about leadership and about cash. So this has been the best learning for me. When yeah. we are able to talk to an entrepreneur, we really get deep in understanding who they are and where they're stuck. Yeah. And then give them the program that makes sense based on their stage and their stuckness. But we have found that based on the amount of employees, they usually have the same kind of complications or, or problems. Yeah. That's why we've been able to find this. 
And then the last thing around this is we have found that there are, of course, there are some stages, but within the stage, there's some competencies that you and your team have to develop. And, and then designing the competencies and, and around the competencies, building products makes sense. So as an example, there's the four levels of the stages. Huh? And then there's what we call the six competencies that you need. Strategy, okay. execution, culture, leadership, sales, and marketing. Got it. And we're putting together all the courses based on the stage, based on the competency, to really be able to tailor a program that makes sense for you. So you can really dial in the content and the, the topics and the, the learning goals for each stage of the company in each of these boxes. So you're, you're creating kind of this map of, of competencies and level, which makes a lot of sense. Entrepreneurs, we talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs and we said, hey, I, I read this book. This is great. Read it, right? And people read it and they're not ready yeah, or, or exactly. it's not what they need. And, and they made a mess in their businesses. Yeah. So it's very important to continue learning, but it's very important to learn what you need at the moment. As entrepreneurs, if we get a new idea, we want to implement it by yesterday. Yeah. And it's not, not necessarily what you need at the moment. Yeah. So, yes. so that has been our biggest learning in these last five or six years doing training. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I've certainly found, you know, as a coach that, you know, I've actually sort of bifurcated my, my the way I engage. And, it, and if there are less than 25 people or so, for me, it's really much more about kind of coaching the CEO around strategy and team development, kind of getting to the point where they need a leadership team. And, and then honestly, coaching them through that process of putting together a leadership team. Because once, once you do that, Really, what the 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 skills, your tactics, your approach has to become quite different once you once you have a team around you that's going to be executing on these things. You, you're no longer directly managing. You're no longer you know tinkering with products. You're not you're not you're not sitting there writing code. You're not necessarily meeting with customers, or you're not trying to sell customers anyway. And that's a big jump. And I, I you know not all CEOs or not all you know founders really become CEOs that way. And, and I can imagine that that's that's a lot of what these stages kind of help clarify is you know look. That's why I call stage three the scale-up. Yeah. Because that's when you scale. On stage one and stage two, you're preparing your company to scale. Yeah. You try to scale on stage one, stage two, you're prematurely scaling, and you're going to spend a lot of money wrong because your your company is not ready. Yeah, you're going to burn through a bunch of cash. Yeah. That's great. So for me, stage three, you have 16 to 250 employees. Yep. And that's when you start building leaders of other departments. Yeah. And that's when scaling up makes massive, massive value for you. So I usually don't don't teach scaling up to companies of less than 16 employees. Yeah. So what you said that you you coach first the CEO on how to build a team. Yeah. I think you you nail it. That's exactly what they have to be focused on. Yeah. And it's tough. It's not a, and it's not an easy process. And, I, and the other thing I find is not every team is the same. I mean, it really kind of depends on the depends on the CEO. It depends on what they're you know exceptional at, what role they want to play, what kind of CEO they want to be, what kind of market they're in. You know, I think that's. Uh, I think that's part of the whole kind of discovery process for for a founder is uh, going through that journey and, and sometimes getting it wrong, you know, or, or learning a little bit during the process, but recovering quickly. <laughs> and that's I'll tell you something that the that the founder will, will like. Yeah. Usually, what we have found is that wherever the founder of the company is strong, that becomes the most important weakness of the company. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk a lot about that so, little bit, little bit more. Why, so why is that? I would agree, but why is that? So imagine you said, hey, I'm really great in sales, right? Yeah. But because you feel you're so great, you will never hire a great sales agent yeah. because you said you could do sales better than anyone. But when do you really have time to do sales? Yeah. Never. So you never dedicate the right time 
and then sales become a really big problem in your company. But we just don't see it in sales. Um, we have people that said, hey, I, I was working the other day with an insurance company and the owner was really, really good designing insurance plans, designing insurance plans for companies. Yep. But because he loved to do that, he took all this time on making them and he was never selling and the company was dying because of lack of cash. Yeah. But he hated the sale. He said, no, 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 I hate the sale. I just want to do the plans. Yeah, but yeah. no one was selling good for him. And whenever he said, okay, I'll do the plans. Great. Then he was so busy selling that he was never building the plans. And he was building the plans in 10 minutes and making wrong decisions on yeah, the plan. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I, it, he has a big issue. I see this. Uh, so I see this in tech a lot where we'll get a technical founder, a technical CEO who, you know, is brilliant is, you know, and they're probably the smartest one in the company. The problem is, is that that's not their job, right? As CEO, they should not be, you know, head of technology, head of, um, you know, head of product development. And here's where I believe Michael Gerber got it right. Uh -huh. uh, you said the technical founder had issues. Yeah. So, so Michael Gerber says in their e-myth, he said, in every company, there's three mindsets you need to dominate. The, uh -huh. the technical mindset is uh -huh. doing the guy that does work, the programmer and all that. Yeah. Then the person that does the administration and administration is boring, but it, it's extremely important to be able yeah. to build an organization. And then the third one is entrepreneur, the ones that goes and sell and makes rain. Yeah. If you don't have the three mindsets, then it's a disaster. So usually you're very, very good on one of them and you're lousy on the other two. Yeah. Or you're boring. You, you, you get bored on the other two. And yeah. that's a big problem for the company. Yeah. The other one I find is that, you know, oftentimes it's uh, it's kind of caught up in ego. And, and I often kind of give a copy of <laughs> the ego is the enemy to, to these folks, you know, where, where it's basically like if you identify, uh, if your self-worth, if your, you know, if your self-value is focused on your ability or your prowess as a technologist or as a designer or as, you know, being able to do that one thing, you know, it's really hard to let that go. And if you haven't kind of become self-aware enough of that and, and allowed yourself to say, hey, you know what? I don't need to be defined that way. And I, I can let someone else be the best person in the company in this thing. You know, until you get to that point, that often can be kind of a stuck that's much more about a mindset, sort of situational uh, stuck. And I think that's another one that comes up a lot. Oh, and we're so weak as entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. We believe we're the center of the world. Oh. <laughs> well, we have to. I mean, and that's the irony is like we have to at the beginning of the company. Like we have to have this almost delusional view of the world and a view of our value to get the company up and running because otherwise nothing will happen. But that exact thing that made it so great in the beginning actually starts working against us at that stage. So, And, and here's uh, talking about stages again. Yeah. So after we define the, the fourth stage of the company, we define how the entrepreneur has to evolve from entrepreneur to CEO. And, and in the start, he has to be an entrepreneur and do everything and do the three hats and everything. Uh -huh. And then on a growth, you have to be a leader, but you lead one-on-one. -on -one. And then when you're a scale-up, you have to be a leader of leaders. You have to be growing other leaders, making the company about them, yeah. and just creating a, this great first line of defense. And then the next one, what we call the dominate your industry, that is stage four. Uh -huh. Then you have to become a CEO. Yeah. And a CEO have to do three things. Be strategic innovator in the company, change catalyst, and chief of culture. It's nothing about running the operation. You become like a satellite around the organization yeah. and the organization the day-to-day -day runs without you. And here's been a great thing that we've been learning and helping our companies uh, go through in, in Growth Institute, really helping the CEO understand that the only way to grow their company 10x, if they grow their team 10x, yeah. and not in quantity, uh, but in quality and, and mindset. Yeah. And when they see how they have to evolve from entrepreneur to leader, to leader of leaders to CEO, that's when they get it. And that's why they get the importance of training their team members. Yeah.
And we see uh, the companies that really get it. The entrepreneur goes to us like a second stage and they put their team members, their first level as the main drivers of the company. And they become a support, a coach of the company. And that's when the magic of the company starts. Yeah, It's all about mindset and ego. Yeah. So for if I'm a, a, a founder, you know, one of these, you know, stage one, stage two, and I'm uh, kind of working on the business. And I think uh, I, I realize that, in, you know, investing in the, you know, continuous development, continuous education, continuous learning of my people, you know, is a key part of my future success. You know, I, I see, you know, tools like the Growth Institute or resources like the Growth Institute for, you know, kind of content and structure and, and materials is one piece. What else do... Uh, you know, forward-thinking company founders, leaders need to do inside the organization to create this kind of continuous learning, continuous evolution kind of culture in there? What are, what are some other good practices that you've seen successful companies put in place? So you have to pass your DNA. You have to, uh, as the founder, kind of train your team on on the way you think and the way you see the business and, and, and it evolving. At the, in the Growth Institute, we have a program we call uh, Scaling Up Club. Uh-huh. that we have over 100 courses for a very small membership. I think you can get up to 100, mem- uh, 100 uh, employees for $7,000. And you could there's a program like for 2,500 for 10 employees something, or something uh-huh. like that. And you get like 100 courses and you have to uh, like read or learn with your team members. Yeah. What we've seen the most successful entrepreneurs do as passing their DNA. They see one of the courses that they like and then they said, okay, the course of the month is this one. Everyone go and see it. And they will have a meeting to discuss the course, what we learned, and how we're going to implement it. Yeah. And that way, they could have a much faster implementation of learning into their business. And they're really passing their DNA. So as an example, we have a class on, on pricing with Herman Simon. Yeah. Uh, you saw that at the summit. Amazing one hour on how to do pricing in your company. I, I've seen team members going through that one and then having a discussion of how they're going to price their products. Yeah. Then another one, uh, five dysfunctions of a team with Patrick Lencioni. That's the most view uh, class together with team members. Yeah. When they're having a lot of drama in the operation, they go together, they see five dysfunctions, and then they go through the program and say, hey, what are the questions you have to do right? What are the sessions that we have to go? And as an example, you start with the CEO being vulnerable. So in the course, it recommends what kind of answers or questions you have to discuss with your team, starting with you, the founder. And if you begin being humble and open and vulnerable to your team, then the team will be with you. But once everyone has seen the class together, now we have set the stage of how we have to do it and how we're going to do it. Yeah. So you have to pass your DNA to your team. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to grow your company. Yeah. And, and I, it's that through through that learning process and through that discussion process is where that happens. It's not, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not just spending time together, sitting next to each other or, or working on business stuff. Like you have to take a step back and actually go through the learning process. I think that's really important. You, you have to invest time in passing your DNA. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't put the time, the team will never going to build as a team. As an example, I have every week, yeah. I have what I call a leadership meeting and it's a one hour with my leaders, the leaders that I'm developing in the company, uh-huh. and I never bring a subject. I was coming and said, okay, tell me subjects. What are you yeah. worried? What are you not liking? Top of mind. What's working great? And they bring subjects and said, hey, I have all these things that we have to discuss with you. Perfect. Yeah. And they just get me called blank uh, yeah. with questions and ideas, and we discuss them as a team. Yeah. And now they're learning how I think. Now they're learning how I see things. And now they're beginning to do things. And sometimes they ask a question or we put a problem. And I said, hey, you know what? That's a subject we need to get deep. Let's all read this book or let's all go and see this video or this class with Growth Institute. 
and then let's come back the next call to discuss it. Yeah, I like that because it's uh, it's a very I'm a, I'm a big lean agile guy, so it's a nice pull kind of model, right? You you let the people pull from you what they want to learn, what they what they what knowledge they need, what insight they they want to develop. So I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And and they like that I come open, and they could ask yeah. me any nice vulnerable. Kind of, and you're, they, you're willing to put yourself out there. <laughs> that's correct. And they really enjoy that. Yeah. I've, I've heard really good things from my team on that because, hey, Daniel, that's when we get you completely unscripted, completely unprepared. Yeah. yeah. And we really get what you're thinking. And sometimes I've said, guys, I have no idea. Yeah. Let me yeah. do some research. I'll come back next week. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> there we do it. Good. All right. We're going to hit time here. Daniel, if, if people want to get more information about the Growth Institute or about the four stages of company growth, what's the best way to get that information? So, Bruce, uh, we prepared a um, PDF to give for free to anyone that, that just uh, heard the podcast. We're going to do it at growthinstitute.com forward slash scaling up services. And you're going to be able to download a PDF that we're going to teach the stages in three different views. One is how the company grows stages uh-huh. and then how you as entrepreneur has to evolve or evolution from from uh, entrepreneur to CEO, yeah. and then we call what we call the four levels of management, and how you your team members see themselves on not the stages because on stage four you have employees on the four levels, yeah. but how they see themselves as employees in your company, and how they have to train each one on the right things for them to be able to grow. Perfect. All right, I'll make sure that those are in the show notes and on the webpage so that people can click through and get that. Daniel, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much for the invite. Really enjoy it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.